in today's show. Knowing when to get out is healthy. Mentally healthy, emotionally healthy, physically healthy. You, All of the signs are there, right? We all go through it. Um, but that was my biggest learning lesson is that's, a, that's something I would never do again. I would not hold on to something longer than what I know I should. What are, what are the repercussions of holding on to it longer than you should? What, what are the negative outcome effects of holding on longer than you should? Well, I think the biggest one is you missed other opportunities. Wow. I think that's the biggest one. You're missing other opportunities because you're holding on to something that you think is going to be a success when you know it's not. In today's ultra-competitive business world, being a successful entrepreneur or business owner can be very challenging. Fortunately, contemporary times have blessed us with resources for tackling those challenges and getting us to success more quickly than we could have imagined. Welcome to The Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs grow incredible companies. This podcast looks at the five keys to unlocking success as an entrepreneur. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason's mission is to use his gifts of teaching and leadership to help others get the results they want out of life. Join Jason every week and learn the keys to grow a truly successful business. Welcome back to The Root of All Success. It's the real Jason Duncan here. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the show. You know, it, what's funny about this show for me as the guy who's hosting it is I don't often listen to the episodes. I, I certainly don't listen to them every week, hopefully like you do. But but when I do go back and I had I had a long car drive uh, earlier this week to go to a meeting and I listened to several, uh, several episodes on that drive and I'm impressed so much by the guests even after I go back and listen. So I really hope that you're getting that, um, uh, that, that benefit of listening to these guests on the show. And today's guest is certainly no slack. It's going to be another amazing guest to give you some insight into how to be a better entrepreneur and knowing when to walk away. So my guest today is LaShawn Greenhill. He and I developed a friendship. You're going to hear me talk about that at the very beginning, kind of recounting how we met. Um, you know, we've been been friends and colleagues for the last 11 years, but he is a uh, he's a thought leader. He is uh, has a passion to help small business owners uh, succeed. He's poured a lot into many different businesses over the past you know two decades of his life. Um, he has founded several different companies. You're going to hear him talking about that starts with the uh, with one of his companies he started in college. Uh, he had he's got a development group that he started. He's got a, a, a sales outsourcing sales company that he ran for six years. Uh, then he started a company called Sagents, which you're going to hear him talk about this idea of knowing when to walk away. And that was the company that really taught him the, the, the this really key, this key on how to walk away, knowing when to let go of things and not to escalate your commitment to a place that just doesn't make any sense. Uh, he owns a company called Sales Cocktail, where he does a lot of public speaking and, and uh, consulting for companies. And he even has a franchise called Pros with the store here in the Nashville, Tennessee area. He now lives with his family's wife and daughters in the Kansas City area. And so I'm really excited to reconnect with an old friend of mine, LaShawn Greenhill. LaShawn, it is good to see you and it's good to have you on the show. Welcome to the show, my man. Always, man. It's been a while. I'm glad to be here. I know so, we've had to reschedule a couple of times, but we made it happen. <laughs> I appreciate your patience with that. You know, doing the podcast, I, I generally only record on Fridays and I try to schedule them way out into the future. And, uh, you know, things come up. I got speaking engagements that'll pop up from time to time. So thank you for your patience. But I want to start with this story. Well, hold on for a second. First of uh, all, yeah. you, you took the blame for that. The first the first uh, rescheduling was on me. So. All right. I'll let you take it. <laughs> so let's split that. Let's split that one. <laughs> I'll let you take the blame. <laughs> well, so I want to tell this story. And I don't think I've ever told this story to you, but it is about you. Okay. And so I'm going to start here and then we'll kind of take a leap. When I started uh, my lighting company back in 2010, 2011, I didn't know what the heck I was doing as an entrepreneur. And, and as someone who was aware of my incompetence, I made sure to go to events. I wanted to, if Nashville Business Journal here in Nashville was hosting things, I'd go to it. 
And uh, if, if any, if entrepreneur uh, center was hosting something, I'd go to that because I just didn't know what I didn't know. And I knew enough to put myself in places where I could meet people eventually, of course, like you. And, and I know that you probably remember this, but you were on a panel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a Nashville business journal breakfast at Belmont, I think way long, long, long time ago, back, back in the early teens. Yeah. And, uh, and you were one of four or five people on the panel. And I remember you telling your story and I'm sitting in the back of the room and I'm like, I don't know any of these people. I don't know. I I was an unemployed school teacher just a year prior to this. And, uh, I went up to you after that event and said, Hey, you know, introduce myself and could we get together? And then we ended up meeting at Tzatziki's for lunch over in West, I think on West End in Nashville. And we've developed a very good friendship over these years. And I've, and, and so I want to tell, I want to reiterate that story and let you know that I don't think I've ever told you how much I appreciate you uh, befriending me because I didn't know what I was doing. And, and now here I am all these years later with a successful podcast, very successful business businesses, and you are a part of my story to success. So, LaShawn, I want to say thank you publicly. But as we get started in our conversation, I want to say thank you for that. Well, look, man, um, first of all, I appreciate that. And I do remember when we met. I remember the panel I was on. To this day, I don't know why they asked me to be on that panel. I was the least experienced person up there. To my right was a venture capitalist, Vic Gatto. And to my left was... Uh, Charles Robert Bowen. I forget who the fourth person was, but I do remember when we met and I just sum it up by saying this, uh, the feeling is mutual in terms of where I sit today and the impact that you've had on me. So I appreciate our friendship more than anything. And then what has blossomed out of that, which is coaching and support and everything else. Well, I, uh, I think this goes back to one of the things I talk about on the show a lot, I haven't done it lately, is I talk about these keys to success, which is the origin of the show is all about how to how to how do people unlock success. And one of the keys is b- being at the right place at the right time. And another one is knowing the right people. And I, I do count myself as successful in part due to the fact that I was at that breakfast that day, right place, right time. And I met you and I met some other cool people, too. And, and, and I had some interesting conversations, but they never there wasn't, there wasn't the staying power in those conversations and those friendships like you and I've had. And, you know, we're not buddies. We don't hang out every weekend. As a matter of fact, you've moved to Kansas city since then. I mean, you've been to Kansas city now for a year, so we don't see each other that often, but anyway, enough of that. But I just wanted to make sure publicly that I said, thank you. And I do appreciate our friendship and I congratulate you on your success. So let's go back to the beginnings for LaShawn. So when you're, when you were going to enter into the entrepreneur market, into that field of entrepreneurship, when did that start for you? Was that a, as a kid, as a teenager, as an adult, a college? Where where did the entrepreneur bug bite you and, and what did you do first? Uh, the first time I cut someone's grass, ninth grade, is when I dipped my toe into entrepreneurship. Uh, a lot of people think it started in college, but how it happened was a lot of people don't know this story. <laughs> I remember one day I used to get an allowance. And I remember one day uh, a new game had come out for the Nintendo. And I went home and I asked my dad if I could get an advance on my allowance. And he looked at me. He said, that's not how this works. That's not how the world works. So he didn't give me the advance. The next day I come home from school, he went and bought a new lawnmower. And he told me, no more allowance. If you want to make your money, you can go out there and start cutting yards. And that's when I started making my own money. That was in the, <clears throat> in the ninth grade. And so did I think that that experience would lead, to, lead me to where I am? No. But that was my first experience in convincing someone to let me cut their grass, right? So I had to go and sell. I was knocking on doors, convincing someone, hey, you need your grass cut. Can I cut it? I would walk the neighborhood and do that. When I saw a yard... I would go up there. And then the second thing it taught me was how to negotiate on the spot. Because I knock on your door, Jason. I see your grass need cut. I knock on your door and ask if I could cut it. You say yes. Then we have to talk about price. <laughs> so then I started negotiating. So that was my first experience 
with entrepreneurship. Did I know at the time I was an entrepreneur? No, I was just a kid trying to make money. Talking about Nintendo games. So in ninth grade, dad is uh, is the catalyst to get you out there and teach you how to sell, how to make money, how to negotiate. So you did, how long did you mow yards for money? Was it a short lived thing or did you do that all through high school? I did it for three years. My, my, my freshman year through my junior year, um, I did it. And then I worked, you know, another job during the summer also, but I did it for three years. Three years mowing grass, go yeah. get through, get through high school. So you go to college, um, you know, when I talked about this in, in the, uh, in, in the intro, you went to the university of Memphis and, uh, you got a degree in business, right? Correct. So what was your intent with that degree? What were you going to end up doing with that? Well, when I first went off to college, I actually went um, to study computer engineering. That's what I started as. And within two months, quickly realized this is not for me. (laughs) Computer engineering was not my gift. So I ended up switching to the business school at the University of Memphis, um, uh, majored in management information systems, which was 40% technology driven, 60% business related, right? And it just so happens that at that time, if you recall, we're, we're the same age, 1996 is when the internet was practically being released to the mere mortals, to us, to the world. Yeah. Right? It had been there for a while. We just weren't able to access it. So management information systems was the area that my guidance counselor guided me to based on my interest in computer engineering. It was a combination of business and computers, right? And so my goal with that degree initially um, was to, now that I had been uh, exposed to the internet, my initial goal with that degree was to start an internet company, which I did my senior year in college. A lot of people don't know that. It was called weiskids.com. I started that company, I co-founded that company in 1999 while I was an intern at FedEx. Um, and the purpose of that company, because I know you're going to ask, that was a, a online bartering system and financial literacy uh, platform to teach kids how to handle money. That's what we did. And um, the reason why I started that company f- with that for that purpose is because twice in college, I got in, I got in credit card debt. And I realized if I knew more about finances, even though I was making money cutting grass, if I knew no, more about how to handle finances while I was in high school, I wouldn't have ended up in the credit card debt that I found myself in in college. And so I started whizkids.com. That was the purpose of that degree. So you got, so you, so you're cutting grass, go to yep. college. You think you're going to be one thing. You end up going into something else and you started whizkids.com. Is that, I'm going to assume that that's no longer a thing. Is that, did that, did that stay around a while or is it gone? No, man. So it's gone. Um, the, the short end of the story is we, we started it. My, my guy, me and, me and another guy, we started it. We stood up the platform. We had letters of intent from Microsoft. I still got the letter where the CEO wrote me back. I wrote Bill Gates to be, to be exact. I wrote a letter to Bill Gates and the COO at that time wrote me a letter back. Um, I still have it. I won't get rid of it. Um, so we had partnerships in place with companies, exploratory partnerships in place with companies like Microsoft at the time for this platform. And we actually had, a, a test market with the, um, with the public school system in Nashville. They were going to test it out for us. And then you know what happened in, 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 in early 2000, late 2000, the internet bubble burst. We were, we were literally about to go out to San Francisco to raise money. The bubble burst and so did we. And so going into 2001, um, I ended up having to get a job and the platform went away. I didn't know that part of the story. I, I've never heard that you had uh, that you had you were on the potential of being an Internet tycoon. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. That's a cool story. So the but you went on from there to do something else. So what was the next entrepreneur journey? What was that next stop on the journey for you? So after WizKids burst, uh, ended up getting a job um, at T-Mobile in a, in the customer service um, center. Uh, actually, it was Voice Stream or something like that at the time. That was T-Mobile. And um, I always knew I wanted to start another business. I, I've been bitten at that point by the bug, right? 
So I always knew I wanted to start another business. So I got a job and I intentionally got a job at night. And this kind of goes into a story, your story at the beginning, when you said, when you were starting your company, you intentionally went places to meet people, right? So when I got that job, I intentionally looked for a job at night, ended up switching from that job to a company at Comdata out in Brentwood, worked on their database mainframe because that was my background, right? Did that, got that job intentionally at night. And also that job was was three on, four off, and then four on, three off per week. And the reason why I got that job at night is because during the day, I want to do, I, I need to get out and meet people. And so I worked at night so I can network during the day. Uh, eventually met my mentor, met two mentors. Um, the first one was Dale Freeman, uh, God rest his soul. Um, as, as you probably know, uh, something tragic took place not too long ago with him. Um, and then the other one was Lee Molette. And so what ended up happening, how I got to my next venture was Lee Molette came to me and said, hey, well, back up, Daryl Freeman. I met with him in his office, gave him my business plan that I've been working on while I almost had a full time job. And Daryl ended up paying for me to go through a program called Fast Track at the time the Chamber of Commerce was doing it. And it was a it's a program to help business owners put together a legitimate business plan at the end of the day. And Daryl did that for me. And then the second thing, Lee came to me and said, hey, the best way for me to mentor you is for you to come and work with me. So I quit my job at Comdata, went and worked for Lee, but it, I wasn't an employee of his. He said, start your company and I'm going to give you your first contract with my company. So I started a, a hardware um, uh, repair company called Green Hill Development Group. And that was my next company. Then out of that, um, out of that grew Pyshawn. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Pyshawn. Have you, have yeah. you ever told you? Okay. Yeah, we talked about that. Okay. Yeah. So out of Green Hill Development Group grew Pyshawn, which was a sales outsourcing firm that I had for six years. And it sells out. What we did was we, we worked with small businesses and they outsourced their entire sales department to us. And so you may meet with a salesperson for a medical company and they may have a business card that was a card of my client, but they were on my payroll. I managed the entire sales process and grew and grew their sales. So that was the, the next step for me at the WizKids. That was my progression. So so WizKids to uh, to Green Hill Development Group to Pyshawn. Mm-hmm. Um, so Pyshawn, you did that for six years as an outsource sales. And that that's actually still, um, I mean, that concept is still a pretty popular thing around today. Where is Pyshawn today? Did you, what'd you do with that company? I ended up using Pyshawn to start my next company, which was Sages. So I offloaded Pyshawn, got rid of Pyshawn, um, and used it to start Sages, which is my software venture that I had for 10 years from 2011 till 2000. So nine years. And so, Pyshawn is no longer. The website is still up, actually, I think, but Pyshawn is no longer. Um, and so I, like I said, I did that for six years, used the, the, the revenues from it to stand up Sages, which was a software company I co-founded with a uh, friend, Raj Manan. And Sages was a software platform that played in the supply chain space, but we were not a supply chain um, platform. What we did or what it did is it allowed companies to trace how much money they spent with women, minority, small, veteran-owned businesses, and then report that data to the local, state, and federal governments? Huh. So so what... And actually, the panel that I was on when you met me, it was for Sages. Yeah, that, well, that's the company I remember you talking about, cause that was about the right time. You must've just started it because that was about the time that I got into the entrepreneur game was in 2010, 2011. So you must've just started it at that moment. So what, what do you, if you're looking back over all of that, you know, I know there's more since then, cause that, cause agents, you, 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 that company no longer is around as of 2020, but, but what were some of the big milestones of learning points, whether it was a sale, a, 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 a failure or success what, what are some of the big things you look back and go, man, that's where I learned a lot? Yeah, so I've been asked that question quite a bit. And, and one thing, I want, I'm going to throw this out there. I want people to go take a look at this. In 2018, 
I was going through a transition with Sages, trying to figure out what I wanted to do, right? Sages wasn't doing exactly what I needed it to do. We had been running it for nine years. So I went through this therapeutic process of taking these thoughts out of my head and putting them on paper. I ended up writing this letter called uh, To Death Do Us Part. And I published it. You can go Google it. And it's about sages. And in there, there are a lot of lessons. I put in there a lot of lessons that I uh, learned with sages, right? And even before sages. Um, but so let me answer your question. First of all, go, go look at that letter. To Death Do Us Part. Um, and it's, it's, I put it on Medium. LinkedIn, you can find. I wanted people to read my story about sages so they can learn and not make the same mistakes. So what are some of the things I learned? Specifically with sages, I probably should have brought on a co-founder earlier. It was a software company and I tried to uh, develop it and uh, the, the, the tech platform by myself. That was one learning lesson. Brought, should have brought on um, someone earlier as a technical co-founder. I was about six months into the journey before I did that. That's one. Two, I should have raised money earlier, right? That was another lesson. Um, but some of the biggest lessons that I don't want people to miss is this. Know when to get out. Don't hold on to something too long. And there were several times when I should have probably shut Sajans down and I did it. And you know, you've probably been there. You're about to make a decision <clears throat> and then something happens, something good happens. You're like, oh, no, it's not time to let this go yet, right? But really, it really is. But you're looking at something has sparked a thought to say, nope, that just happened. That contract just came through or that connection was just made and you continue to hold on to it. That was a, a mistake I probably made two or three times with Satan where something would happen that would convince me, where I could would convince myself, nope, that's exactly what we needed to keep going. When really I knew what I should have done. So yeah. that that is, those are three of the lessons from Sages that I've learned. But the biggest one is to know when to let something go. Yeah, well, you know what? What you mentioned there, one, one of the only things I can, I remember, remember from my, um, doing my undergraduate studies is I took a one business class, my undergraduate degrees in ministry you probably know that we've talked yep. about that before, but, but my, uh, the only thing I remember, remember, like I, I remember the day I learned this, I was sitting in a class, it was at Lipscomb university in Nashville, Tennessee. And I remember the business class, the teacher, the professor was saying something about he, something called escalation of commitment. And what you just described is, is the phenomenon known as escalation of commitment. And that is when a business person, a leader, entrepreneur, whatever it happens to be, escalates their level of commitment in spite of all of the evidence pointing that they should cancel it, go away, quit, whatever, because they had committed in the first place. And so there's this commitment that's made. And then you experience not you don't experience success not necessarily failure but you don't experience the success you wanted and then you say well i'm going to double down i'm going to escalate the commitment and that is a doom loop that is created in so many entrepreneur stories and the fact that you just uh, talked about that is uh is really interesting to me because not many entrepreneurs admit their escalation of commitment failure <laughs> so Amen. knowing when to get out is a big deal it's a big key to your success it is. It is. And knowing when to get out is healthy, mentally healthy, emotionally healthy, physically healthy. You all of the signs are there. Right. We all go through it. Um, but that was my biggest learning lesson is that's a, that's something I would never do again. I would not hold on to something longer than what I know I should. What are what are the repercussions of holding on to it longer than you should? What what are the negative outcome effects of holding on longer than you should? Well, I think the biggest one is you missed other opportunities. Wow. I think that's the biggest one. You're missing other opportunities because you're holding on to something that you think is going to be a success when you know it's not. You know, I heard uh, <laughs> there's lots of stories about animals where they test animals and something. And, and there's a there. I don't I'll butcher this. So I'll get this all wrong. But there's a story about a uh, where they were trying to catch baboons where they 
they'd stick their hand in a, a hole to get a fruit or something, or, and then they, they couldn't pull it out, but mm-hmm. then they would offer them, uh, you know, the way to get out that would be better, but they didn't want to let go of this fruit and the fruit in the hole is holding them captive. And so I think there's, and again, I probably butchered that whole story there, but that, that illustration is us as entrepreneurs, we hold on too long and we miss those opportunities. I, I think when we get to heaven, one of the cool things God's going to allow us to do is watch the tape of what could have been. And it won't be a, <laughs> it won't be a sad thing because there's no, there's no sadness there, but right. it'll be this like, Hey dummy, let me show you what you missed out. What you missed out on. <laughs> look what I had for you over here. You kept doing this, right? It is. You, look, I tell people time is our, is our most valuable resource. Amen. And commodity. The longer you hold on to something, like I did with Sagents, the more time you lose. And if nothing else, that's the main reason. That could be the main reason why, why it's not worth holding on to. Because you're losing time that we can't get back. Hey, man, yeah. I'm 44. I'd be 45 in two and a half months. I have two wonderful kids and a wonderful wife. I want to spend as much time, stressless time, with them as possible. So holding on to things that are not helping you grow, that are not um, um, edifying to you and to others, it's, it's just not worth it, man. You're missing opportunities when you do that. Hey, we're going to take a break from today's show to bring you a message from our sponsor, which is Dub. I am a proud user of Dub, and I have been using them for a long time. As a matter of fact, you might have seen my face on some of their video advertisements on Facebook and LinkedIn, but I am a Dub user, and I'm proud to say that they are a sponsor of The Root of All Success. So Dub offers a suite of video creation, distribution, and tracking tools where you can engage your prospects and increase your revenue. So think about this. You can send an email that has a video built right into it and they can play right from there and double track. Did they see it? Did they watch it? Did they click on it? You can put calls to action at the end of the video. It's an amazing tool that will increase your transactions and your reactions in your emails. You'll actually get people interacting with what you've got going on and converting them to actually taking action. They have a Chrome extension. There's a desktop app, a mobile app. It integrates with LinkedIn. You can actually send video messages through LinkedIn. You can even create, share, and track videos from your favorite project manager tool like Asana. And now shooting a video is even easier than typing, right? I mean, you can shoot a video quicker than you can type a message. So you shoot the video and send it out. They even transcribe your videos. No need to pay for transcription services. Dub's got you covered. They have YouTube integration. Think about this, making a YouTube video actionable. So you take the video you put on YouTube, you drop it into Dub and then send that video out instead. And it's got action items, clickables. You can click into it. You can respond to it, but you don't lose your YouTube plays. YouTube still records that it was a play. You can drive more engagement and conversions with Dub than you can anywhere else. You can get a video landing page that you can use on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. I can't recommend Dub more highly than I'm doing right now. And I'm so glad that they're a sponsor of this episode. So if you want two free weeks of Dub plus two months at 50% off, that's 50% off your first two months, go to therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub. That's D-U-B-B. Thanks so much to Dub and the guy over there for sponsoring today's episode and let's get back to the show so you you went on from sagents you also had a sales cocktail for a while right is that or is that still is that still going on i still have a sales cocktail so sales okay. cocktail is my consulting arm um, which i started in 2000 it, sales cocktail was really my bridge from when i realized in 2017 that at some point within the next 24 months, I was going to have to do something with Sagents. I started Sales Cocktail um, just based on the relationships I built up through Sagents as a consulting company. So I still have that. And through Sales Cocktail, um, I consult with uh, corporations on programs for their small business vendors, how to help grow their small business vendors, or how to how to how to get their small business vendors to be more efficient so they can grow and help the corporations in a better way. That's what I do. And then also do some public speaking um, through sales cocktail also. So I still have that um, not going away, working on a contract right now um, that, that um, hopefully we close within the next 30 days, been working on it for 90 days. 
Well, I found the uh, the article till death do us, do us part. That letter you wrote it yeah. is actually on salescocktail.com. So if you just look up salescocktail.com on Google or DuckDuckGo and then type in till death do us part, it's going to pull up. And there's there it is till death do us part, knowing when to walk away. And it's a, it looks like it's a pretty good size letter there. And uh, he, it ends with one final sergeant sign off. That's <laughs> oh, it. Sean that's it, man. Look, I I am an open book. You know me well enough to know that if my story good or bad can help someone, you know, <clears throat> I'm going to share it. And that story, writing that, hopefully it helps someone else. But I know for a fact it was very therapeutic for me. Yeah. Well, and so many times people are, do do escalate their commitment. They hold on too long. And 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 part of it's pride. I think I think if you if you if you had to admit it, I think all of you and I and everybody else who's who's held on to something too long, it's pride. We don't want people to go, well, he failed at that. So he had to shut it down or he failed it that he had to sell it or he failed it. And, and, and it's it's a pride that keeps us from doing the right thing. The right thing should be to walk away. Sometimes mm-hmm. walking away is the better thing for everybody involved. You see that in there. I talk about my ego, how my ego was a big problem. It's yeah, well, we'll link, we'll make sure to link that. Um, the editors, make sure you link that in the from salescocktail.com. So then the show notes, you guys can click on that and go read it. So now you, you've you got Sales Cocktail, which is still a consulting thing, but you've got several other things. You've got an investment company, holding company. You bought a franchise a year ago. Like the one, one thing I like about you is like every time we talk, like some new opportunities <laughs> happen and you're doing something new and cool and you're succeeding at it. And then when it doesn't work, you, you, you shelf it and move to the next thing. So uh, you and I are very similar in that. So what is going on? Tell us what the, tell us the big exciting stuff that's happening right now in your entrepreneur life. Yeah. So in, in uh, summer of 2020, um, after we shut Sages down, which was January of 2020, I took some months off um, and actually had a conversation with you because we were yep. going through a similar transition. At the we, time. Had, we had lunch, I think, yeah. one, one day. Yeah. Yeah, we got together. And I was I was lost. I'm like, man, I don't know what I want to do next, you know. And uh, I remember you were like, take your time. I think I think at the time you were just exiting your company, right? That's right. Yeah, January 2020, <laughs> I stepped away from daily operations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I took some months off. Uh, tried to collect my thoughts, my feelings after going through, you know, the the the, the exit of Sages, and um, started looking at everything from getting a job just to relax a little bit to buying a company and everything in between, you know, put together this matrix, the pros and cons of everything. I think it was like five or six opportunities I put on there and put the pros and cons together and ended up landing on for my first opportunity post agents was buying a franchise. And so we ended up, me and my wife ended up investing in a franchise um, that called pros P R O S E. It's a membership nail salon that's based out of Phoenix. And so we ended up buying that um, in November of 2020, opened it in December of 2021. So last year. So we've been open about nine months now. Um, and so that was the that was the next step for me post Sagents. And then at the same time, I would say simultaneously. I stood up a holding company for me and my wife. So we have a holding company that has multiple LLCs under it, everything from real estate investments to actually investing in other companies. So we have some money in other companies, startup companies that we have, uh, that have been founded by other people that we invest in. And so that's what I do now is I manage that holding company for me and my wife. And then also um, oversee the franchise that we have back, even though I'm in Nashville, I mean, in Kansas City, the franchises in Nashville have a great team that's running that for me. So that's what I do now. And then the other thing, which this comes back to you, I'm team, I lean on you for a lot, um, is <laughs> I'm also now looking at uh, e-commerce platform. So Neil, uh, I've been in talks with Neil. Uh, I, I told him a couple of weeks ago, I had to put it on the back burner for a couple of months until I get my new leadership team in place um, at the nail salon. So probably I'll pick that back up going into Q4, maybe Q1, but that will be the next phase of what I do. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, Neil, Neil's, uh, actually been a guest on the podcast, Neil Twad. He's, he's with, uh, that helps people get their Amazon stores set up and get, get, uh, private label products. So if anybody is interested in going like looking at that, that's, uh, one of our past episodes on the podcast. Neil's been on here. Neil Twad, TWA is his last name. He's a good dude. And, uh, he does, he's actually going to be on my, I'm going to have him back on my Entrepreneur Master Series live webinar in November. So he's going to be back on that in November. So if anybody's interested in checking that out, we do a 90-minute deep dive on a topic of interest. And Neil's topic is, of course, is how to make mailbox money through e-commerce stores, specifically Amazon. So go to therealjasonduncan.com slash EMS. It stands for Entrepreneur Master Series. I do that live webinar every two times a month. He's got a great system in place. I'm ready back up i just had to get some stuff and as i told you earlier i think before you were recording as i told you june and july were hard months for the business and so i had to i had to put my conversations with him and his team on the back burner until i got through that but i think we're i'm starting to see some sunlight so once we get get some stabilization more stabilization i should say with the new team i'm going to pick that one back up so what do you think um in your mind, what does the word success mean to you? I'm pausing, not because that's a tough question, but I just want, I'm trying to figure out how I want, you know, how I want to phrase the answer. It's not a tough question, but for me, success starts with my family life. Let me start there. Okay. So I just had dinner, a lunch with a young man Monday who asked me to be his mentor up here. And um, he asked me, he said, you all, this was his exact words to me. He said, you always seem happy and at peace. And that's the first time someone has ever said that to me. Now, I'm not saying that other people don't think that, but he verbalized it, right? <clears throat> he said, why is that? And my, res- my, the first part of my response to him was this. I have a healthy family. I have a happy family. And I've never walked in 16 years of marriage. I've never headed to my house with the thought in my mind that I'm going somewhere I don't want to be. I've always walked into a house that I wanted to be in. So that peace of mind allows me to do other things, right? So for me, success starts with having a household that's God-centered, I'll put that out there for me. Um, um, having a household that is happy, healthy, and functional, right? Um, also, success for me and my family, we, we pray this every night, is that God uses us to be a resource and a blessing to someone else. And so we've always wanted to be put in a position where we have resources, that we can bless other people with. That's success for us. Um, It's not about acquiring a lot of stuff. Um, Do we have a lot of stuff? Yes, we have way more than what we need. We do. But if we can do those two things, um, if we can stay healthy, if we can stay happy, and if we can continuously help others, we're successful. So with that as a definition, which I like, by the way, uh, do you consider yourself to be a successful person? I do. I do. I feel like we are. Do, do, are there times when, when, when we mess up based on that definition? Absolutely. Um, but I would say uh, I feel like that we have. We, we make every attempt to be a good steward of the resources that we have. And so based on that, I would say, yeah, I, I, I feel like we are a success. So what do you think, looking back at your stories, your story of all that you've done from whiz kids all the way to pros, what's just going on now and everything in between, what do you think the secret is to LaShawn Greenhill's success? Like you've defined what it is and that you are successful, but what do you think the keys were? This is the show is called the root of all success. Cause I like to get into how did it start? What do you think has led you to be successful? So what do you think? <clears throat> I'm not where I'm only where I am because of other people. Right. Um, so what has, what do I believe are the keys to my success? Um, mentors, sponsors, 
and I want to I want to put a pin right there about sponsors. So we have mentors, right? Mentors are people you can pick up the phone, you can text, you can email, ask for advice. They give you advice, <clears throat> things of that nature. I remember in high school, I went, I was in a program. Me and my wife at the time, we knew each other in high school. We were in the same summer program. But one of my counselors, Derek Young, I remember him, and I, he's still a mentor and, and sponsor of me and my wife. I remember him telling us, as a group of maybe 100 high schoolers, he said, mentors are great, and you should have one. But you should also make sure you have sponsors. And we were like, what's a sponsor? And he said, a sponsor is someone that when you're not in the room, they mention your name. When they're at a table that you're not and they believe you can, you can benefit from what's going on in that room, they are willing to bring you to that table or mention your name as a potential person that should be in that room. That is one reason why I'm successful. It's because there have been people who have been willing to say, I know someone who can help you with whatever's going on when I'm not in the room. So I love, I love that, man, because I know that one of the keys to success I talk about, and I mentioned it earlier already, is be, knowing the right people. Mm-hmm. And so having those people, mentors, of course, in your life and then sponsors, I, I like that term. I don't I've never I don't think we've ever talked about that before, but it makes a lot of sense to me. It's it's an advocate having a having having a, having a champion, someone out there that champions you and advocates advocates for you and sponsors you into those opportunities. So great. That's so great. And and what's cool too is, and this is, I, I want to encourage listeners to think about this because I know you do this and I, I don't do as good a job as I need to, but I think you and I need to be that sponsor and that mentor to other people. We need to go. I, I love that you said this young man asked you to be his mentor. I, I think we as successful people need to be intentional about being sponsors and mentors to the younger generations. Absolutely. You know, I think this revelation hit me and my wife, about four years ago, four or five years ago. She came home one day, This at the time she was working for Bridgestone. And she came home one day and she said a young lady at work had asked her a question about how she got to where she was successful, right? Her In her career. And without going into detail, I remember I turned around, I said, we now have to realize where we are in our life. We're, we're those individuals now where the 20 something year olds are going to be asking us the same questions that we were asking when we were 20 something. That's where we are. And so we have to be, we have to first, first be conscious of that. If you're not conscious of that, you can't, or you will not, uh, be able to help the younger generation. You got to be conscious of where you are. We, you and I, we're conscious of where we are in our career. We've, we've gained some success. We've built uh, some relationships. Um, and we have a younger generation who are looking to us, right? And so we do have to be intentional about what you just said in helping the younger generation. And I tell the younger generation this, what took me 10 years to do should only take you five. Don't be afraid. And the reason why I tell them that is One mistake that I made, and this goes back to a question you had earlier, what were some of the mistakes that I made? One mistake that I made early on in my career, post-college, is I didn't activate my network quick enough, right? I had a network, but I didn't activate it. And so I tell young people, what took me 10 years should take you five. And what I mean by that is use my network now for your benefit. Don't wait till you don't wait 10 years down the road to start activating your network. It's your most it's one of your most valuable resources. Use it now. I waited, you know, till I got into my early 30s before I truly started calling on my network. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's that's so 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 critical for the younger people out there to understand like rely, borrow and leverage the networks of the people around you and activate. I like you said to activate that network. So, so as we close out our show today, I want to give you the opportunity to to give some advice. And I know you just gave a piece there, but I want to ask you a very specific question. So in the, in the, in the realm of entrepreneurship that people have listened to this show, we've got, we've got early stage entrepreneurs and we got people that are just absolutely killing it. 
I, I want you to kind of turn your chair towards that early stage entrepreneur for a moment with all your experience, all your success, all your failures, all the things that you've experienced besides what you just said, what one piece of advice would you say to those early stage entrepreneurs? What would you say to them? Level up, level up, take a page from me and Jason's book. You talked about it earlier about that event you went to and why you started going to events. I talked about it when I said I took night jobs so I could go and network. So that one piece of advice to early entrepreneurs, I would say is level up and level up with people who, um, this is so cliche, but it's so true. With people that are smarter than you, don't be the smartest person in your circle, right? Yeah. Um, you may be the smartest person in your circle for one particular topic, but if you're the smartest person in your circle on every topic, you got the wrong circle, <laughs> right? Amen. Amen. So, so level up and, and don't be afraid to say, I don't know. If you don't know, you don't know, right? You know, I've got a group of guys. Um, the, the ring of five is five of us. We're all in, we all used to be in tech. Some of us still are. And just this week, I put a, uh, 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 I put a, a text message out there to the group and I just asked them, Hey, I need a new book to read. What are y'all reading? Just that simple. Like, what are y'all reading? That helps me level up. Cause I'm, and they threw like, here's what I'm reading right now. Um, you know, they threw out what they were reading. So that's how I continue to level up. I'm I'm not finished leveling up. I call on you sometimes and say, "Hey man, what's what's the deal? What do you think about this?" That's how I got to Neil Twelve. Like I'm looking at you, told me like, "Don't do it this way," because I have experience in doing it this way. <laughs> do it this way, right? That was me leveling up. I know what I don't know, um, and so I reach out to people like you that I trust. Um, I surround myself with people that I know in in a lot of areas are way smarter than I am. So that would be the one piece of advice: is level up. So how would people get in contact with you? What's the best way for people to engage with LaShawn Greenhill? So salescocktail.com is the website. You can email me at LaShawn, that's L-E-S-H-A-N-E, at salescocktail.com. And you can call me at 615-669-1602. And you can connect with me on LinkedIn. All right. So you guys heard it there. Uh, LaShawn, it's been a pleasure reconnecting with you today on the show. Uh, next time you're in Nashville, we need to get together, have lunch or something again, get together, have a drink. So make sure you look me up because I know you got to come down here. You got the store down here. So when you come back to Nashville, look me up. I'm going to give you the last word. Anything you want to say, you get the last word today on the show. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for, for bringing me on, man. I, I've enjoyed our friendship for the last 10, 11 years. Um, it's been very fruitful. Um, who knew it would it, we would be where we are today? That's right. And so uh, anyone out, what I would say to the audience is anyone out there that is afraid, no, no problem with being afraid. We all are at times. So if you're afraid and you're in business, you're not alone. At some point, everyone is afraid when they're in business. So don't feel like you're on the island. That's the last thing I'd say. Well, LaShawn, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks for being on the show. We'll see you. All right. Thanks, man. Well, there you have it. Another very successful entrepreneur on his journey to success. And what's interesting about this, as we talked about in the intro, we talked about all the way through the show, is that the key here is knowing when to walk away. Listen, no matter where you are in that entrepreneur journey, you should commit, you should make goals, you should commit to those goals, you should attempt to go there. But there's this thing we need to understand. And as LaShawn's story illustrates, is you got to know sometimes when to walk away, because over committing to that thing, you don't know what you're missing. And I loved what he said when I asked him that question, well, what, what's the biggest detractor of over committing and staying too long? Is it missed opportunities? So I'm not asking you, nor is LaShawn asking you to quit. Nobody loves a quitter. We don't want quitters. And it's not quitting. It's making a decision to move on to the next bigger opportunity out there. So, so let me give you just a little bit of insight on this that we didn't talk about on the show, but it occurred to me after the show was over and I, a bit, uh, you know, as, as LaShawn left the room, I was thinking about how to close this show out today. And I was thinking this. There's this idea, there's this law, this universal law called the law of separation. And what the law teaches us is that we need to be 100% vigilant and committed to our vision. 
to our vision, what we want to be, what do we want to be known as in the future. But we cannot have that same level of commitment to the strategies that will take us to the vision. So as a matter of fact, you may have this vision to, to impact a thousand young people as entrepreneurs. You may have this vision to serve a million customers worldwide, whatever that vision is. But the reality is the strategy you're going to use to, to see that vision to fruition might change six to seven, maybe multiple times. Just like what LaShawn illustrated in his story is that he's committed to that vision of helping small, medium-sized local businesses, to being an impact on, low, on on young entrepreneurs, to really making a difference in this world. And he started with WizKids, and he went to Green Hill Development Company, Pyshawn, Sagent, Sales Cocktail Pros. All of these strategies are to realize the ultimate vision. So what is your vision? What are you trying to get to? No one to walk away. No one to to say, look, I'm committed to the vision, but I got to find a new strategy. No one to do that. I hope that's the lesson you walk away with today. I want to speak directly to you as an entrepreneur who is interested in the exit lifestyle. Because if you follow me on Instagram at the real Jason Duncan or LinkedIn, you know, you've seen my content, you know that that's what I do. That's what I talk about. I talk about the exit lifestyle. As a matter of fact, tomorrow morning, uh, of course, it's not tomorrow morning when the show releases, but tomorrow morning after the recording, I'm heading out on a week long vacation with my wife and our RV and our motorcycle. I'll get a little bit of work done, but it's mostly about living this exit lifestyle. And if you are interested in living that exit lifestyle too, but as an entrepreneur, you don't know how soon you're going to be able to do that. How, what type of things do you have to put in place to be able to walk away from the daily operations of your business with or without selling it? I have created this tool called the Exit Readiness Assessment. And you can go take this. It's 100% free. You can go on my website at amireadytoexit.com, amireadytoexit.com. And it's a free readiness assessment. And that assessment will give you just in a few short questions and a quiz right there online. It'll give you a report that shows you here are the things you need to do to get yourself prepared to exit. And here's what your potential timeline might look like. And for those that are qualified, you might even get an opportunity to talk directly with me or someone on my team about reviewing that readiness assessment to see if there's something we can help you do. But that assessment and that report are 100% free. Am I ready to exit? Com. Please tune in again next week on The Root of All Success when I talk with yet another very successful entrepreneur about his or her journey to success. Until then, I am the real Jason Duncan, and Jesus is King. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, we invite you to visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Take charge of your business. Grow it from great to incredible. Join us again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.